And let me just begin by saying good morning again to all of you. And I want to welcome those of you joining us by video right now. If you're in our traditional sanctuary or you're online or on TV, welcome. We all have this opportunity right now to be connected, to learn from God's Word, to listen to the Spirit of God speaking to our hearts, to be restored to the good and beautiful life that Jesus has the power to create in us and to which He invites us. We're in this series right now called The Good and Beautiful Life, and today we are learning to live without judging. Today we're learning to live without judging others. I want to start today by showing you a picture. This is a picture that showed up on my Facebook feed just this last week. Some of you may have seen this. It kind of went viral at the end of last year, though I missed it the first time around. If you look at it, what you'll see there is a huge painting. It's a famous painting by the master painter Rembrandt. It's called Night Watch. And there in front of it is a group of young people engrossed with their smartphones, right? And when this picture went around late last year, people jumped all over that. They were like, oh man, look, this is a sign of what's wrong with our society, especially the next generations. Everybody's so absorbed, they can't look up. One of the greatest pieces, a masterwork of art is right there next to them, and they're probably playing Candy Crush or something like that. Like, what's, what's up with that? And it just got tons of hits, hundreds of thousands, millions of hits. And I missed it the first time around, but I saw it when it was posted more recently. And after it went around, the curator of the museum just chimed in and shared what happened right before that picture was taken. All of them had been surrounding that picture, and they were listening to some instructions, some teaching by art interpreters, by interpretive guides or instructors at the museum who were explaining the history of the painting, the context of the painting, the techniques involved with making that painting. And, and these adults were teaching these young people and then gave them the assignment to please go sit down and complete this response assignment using the museum's own very excellent smartphone app, right? Which is not what most of us thought was happening when we first saw that picture. And this is really gonna shock you, I know. But all those millions of people who pounced on this with judgmental comments the first time around didn't exactly jump on again the second time around to rescind all those things, right? I mean, the, the attraction, the temptation to judge other people, to jump in is so attractive. We get caught up in that snare. I, I want to share with you, maybe just give you at the front a working definition of what I mean when I say judging. I don't necessarily mean noticing that something seems to be wrong. That's not judging yet. Judging is when you see something happening and you size somebody up and write them off. You size them up and write them off, right? You could already tell, oh man, those dumb teenagers are so you know, involved in their technology, they can't talk to one another, they can't, right? You, people made up a whole narrative, they figured it all out, and they were wrong, but they sized them up and they wrote them off. You ever do that? Do you ever judge anybody? I, I do this. I do this. One of the places that is most frequent for me to do this is when I'm driving somewhere. Right? Now, you have to understand, I'm an excellent driver. I'm really, I mean, you should understand how good I am. I'm probably the best driver that you know, as a matter of fact. Yeah. All right. All right. It's actually uncomfortably close to the truth that I think that. Okay, so I'm, I should, <laughs> confession is good for the soul. I'm, I'm hoping that over the course of the, my reflection on this passage and sharing this with you today that I actually will get better at this. But I mean, somebody cuts me off. They don't handle a stop sign correctly. They're, they're messing up with the red lights. They don't merge right. People don't merge right, do they? I mean, come on, right? I get judgmental about that kind of thing. I size someone up and I write them off. You ever do that? Do you ever see that somebody else is driving wrong do you ever see that somebody else is parenting their kids wrong? You know, like they're just not doing it right. They don't understand. If only they knew, like you do. And you kind of figure out they're not a very good parent. You size them up. You write them off, right? 
You ever judge somebody else because they vote wrong? You saw the sticker on the back of their car, or you talked about politics, now you figured out they just don't understand how the world really works. You size somebody up and write them off. Have you ever seen somebody who dresses wrong? They just look wrong, it's inappropriate. They dress wrong for church. They don't go to church. You know one thing that always makes somebody wanna to go to church is being judged by people who go to church for not going to church. That <laughs> totally works every time, right? We judge people. We put distance between ourselves and others. We size them up and write them off and go like, oh, they're like some people out there. They struggle with that, but not me. And that feels good to us. It's a cheap high. It's a phony high, but we're kind of addicted to it. And you know what's really dangerous? And this is really serious. When groups of people do that with other groups of people, right? And we kind of find our identity by finding a common enemy. We're all judging them together. At least we're not like them. That can get really dangerous. It feels good for a little while, but it doesn't feel so good when you're on the other side of that deal, does it, right? Have you ever been judged by somebody else? Anybody ever size you up and write you off, right? They, they saw you and they judged you because you were too young and you couldn't be taken seriously. Or you were too old and out of touch. They knew your story, they figured you out, and they wrote you off. You were the wrong gender, you were a man, you were a woman, you were the wrong race, you were the wrong class. They sized you up and wrote you off. Maybe it was based on something you screwed up. Like, I mean, you genuinely made a mistake, and they saw it. And now that you screwed up, they figured out that you're a screw-up, right? And they sized you up and wrote you off. You failed, and now you're a failure. Now they know that about you. They know your story, and they can just write that. It doesn't feel very good on that side of things, does it? Why do we do that to each other? You know something I really hate about judging? Is that Christians are famous for it. Ah, I do not like that. There was a study that was done, kind of famous study, 10, 15 years ago, by some Christian sociologists, researchers, and they did a poll, pretty broad poll, and they asked non-Christian people what they thought of Christian. What are some adjectives that describe Christian people? And you know, there were some good things on that list. There's some things to be encouraged about. But really high on that list was judgmental. What do I think of Christian people? Oh, well, Christian people are the people who judge other people. Ouch, that stings. I mean, I would like to be known for my association with Jesus, who was incredibly gracious, who moved toward broken, sinful people and helped restore their lives, not I'm the person who criticizes other people. That stinks. Then, because we all think judgment is such a bad thing, in our society, we hate judgment, so we've swung to some other extreme. And I don't, I'm not going to say the other extreme, because I think it's all very complicated, but it's another extreme. And we've decided that since judging is so bad, let's just all agree that nobody ever does anything wrong. Because then, we, because if we thought they were doing something wrong, then we'd be judging them, right? And judgmental people are bad people. We judge judgy people, right? We're very confused about judging. It's complicated. But there are things that we don't want to embrace. There are things that we do that other people do also that are genuinely hurtful, that mess up our lives, that break our relationships, that hurt our culture. Do we have to pretend that's not true just to avoid the problem of judgment? I mean, how do we get free from this? We're kind of stuck in a big mess. Tell you, I, I think the teaching of Jesus that we heard read in our worship venues here this morning really can help us with this. Right in the middle of a block of teaching that we call the Sermon on the Mount is this teaching from Jesus where he teaches his followers how to live without judging other people. And I think that teaching, when we understand it in context, really has the insight and the power to set us free and to learn to live 
without judgment. So I want to read that with you. I want to review that with you. But before we do that, I hate reading things out of context. So let me remind you of the larger context that we've been learning for the last several weeks, last few months, actually. We've been reading Jesus' teaching in the light of his larger teaching, his larger announcement about something called the kingdom of God. Jesus came making the good news announcement that the kingdom of God is at hand. And you can turn around and believe that good news. The kingdom of God is the state of the world, the world order where the world works like God's in charge. God is exercising his reign on earth. The world becomes the place where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus says, you can be a part of that, not because you're worthy of it, not because you're already doing it, but because the heart of God is gracious. And God's heart is to reconcile people to himself, to restore their lives, to build a new community. And Jesus came to inaugurate or launch this project. The kingdom of God is at hand. And we learn to find our identity in God's kingdom. And we've, we've been learning kind of a statement, an identity statement, how to answer the question, who am I? Can we put that slide up here? Because I want to ask all of us to read this together. If you're in our traditional sanctuary right now, if you're home alone watching this online or on TV, if you're right here, can we all just read this out loud together right now? Let's say this. I am a child of God in whom Christ dwells, and I live in the unshakable kingdom of God. That's who we are. God has welcomed us into his kingdom as children of our heavenly father. And when we know who we are, then I think we're in a position where we can apply Jesus' teaching to our lives, especially this teaching about judging. So let's, let's listen to what Jesus said about that. This is what Jesus said. It's recorded in the gospel of Matthew chapter 7. This is verses 1 through 5. Jesus said, do not judge. Okay, well, that's pretty clear, right? We're good. <laughs> do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? It, Lindsay was right when she said brother or sister's eye. That's a good translation. And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother or sister, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother or sister's eye. Okay, let's reflect on that for a second. The situation Jesus is talking about, there is a speck in somebody's eye, right? There's a speck. There's something happening in somebody else's life, and it hurts them. You ever had a speck in your eye? It's sawdust? I mean, a speck of sawdust in your eye does not feel very good. I've done that. It's hurtful. It hurts their life. It's probably hurting their relationships. It probably prevents them from seeing very clearly. There's something going on that's genuinely a problem, and you noticed it. You saw a speck of sawdust in your brother or sister's eye. Now, you noticing that, that being the truth, I don't think that means you have judged anybody yet. That's just simply an observation about reality. Judgment is what could potentially happen next that Jesus warns us about. And Jesus holds up against this truth that there's genuinely a speck going on in somebody's eye. Jesus says there's another truth that you have to remember with that one. There's something wrong in somebody else's life, and there's something wrong in your life too. There's something going on in your heart, in your behaviors, in your attitudes, in your actions that's at least as problematic as theirs. In fact, it's probably worse than theirs, or at least it's healthy for you to think it's probably worse than theirs. There's a speck of sawdust in their eye, but there might be a plank in your eye, and you've got to deal with that. Okay, now those are the two basic truths, the information that Jesus gives us, but let me just stop for a second and ask you to think about that. Did anybody not know that already? You know, like, don't we know that there's specks in people's eyes and there's planks in our own? 
In my life, I have met one person who genuinely believed they were perfect. I actually did meet someone who thought that. But most people I know know deep down inside that we are flawed. We know there's stuff that's broken. We know that there's stuff that's broken in us. So if that's already in our heads, if we've got that information, what is it that's in our hearts, if you will, that still leads us into a situation of judgment rather than compassion? Well, there could probably be a lot of things, but let me focus on at least two. And they both have to do with this distance that I mentioned earlier, how we create distance between ourselves and others. There are some people out there who do stuff like that, but they're over there and I'm over here. One way I think that that distance, that that distance feels good to us, the reason we like to create that distance, is because it gives us the illusion of control in our lives, and we like to feel like we're in control of our lives, whether we are or not. But we see something happen in somebody else, something doesn't go well in their life, something gets messed up, and we start looking for the reasons. And we figure out that, well, they did this, and that's why things are going bad in their lives. And we can put ourselves in judgment over them, and we can reassure ourselves, well, I'm not like that. I don't do that. So I'm probably in control of my life, and bad stuff won't happen to me like it's happening to them. They're over there, and I'm over here. And we judge them, and we judge them in order to create distance that feels good to us. I think another kind of, another way that we use distance and judge people is when we don't want to deal with, we don't want to look at the plank in our eye. We don't want to deal with the stuff in our hearts. I mean, deep down we know it's there, but if we could remain in denial about that, that would be a lot more comfortable for us. And so because we want to feel better about ourselves, we want to feel like we're okay, like we're doing pretty well, we put some vertical distance. We say, well, I mean, those people, they're down there, and I mean, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than they are, Right? I mean, I'm not a perfect parent. I don't do everything right, but I don't yell at my kids in public like those people do. I mean, they're like, they're worse than I am. At least I'm better than that. I mean, I know I'm not perfectly honest and forthcoming all the time. I know I don't treat my spouse or I don't treat my coworkers all the way that I should all the time, but have you seen how they do it? I mean, I'm better than that. And we make ourselves feel better. We make ourselves feel like we're up a little higher by putting somebody else a little bit lower. And that distance feels kind of temporarily good to us. It's like, I have a little, a little chart, a little graphic about this. It's like we observe that there is a speck in somebody else's eye. Can we put that slide up there? We see the speck in somebody else's eye. And that, that's just reality. Nothing wrong yet. But then we run that through the filter of our own insecurity and our own fears. Our own fears about what could go wrong in our own lives, what's shakable in our lives, our own insecurities about who we are and how we need to feel better about ourselves. And since that's not really going very well for us, we react by putting distance between ourselves and that. And the symptom of that behavior is judgment. And we judge other people. But we can be set free from that when we experience healing in our own hearts. It can happen differently. Sure, there's a speck in somebody's eye, but what if we run that through the filter of our own kingdom identity? What if we can say, well, I'm a child of God, in whom Christ dwells, and I live in the unshakable kingdom of God. I don't need to maintain the illusion of control over my life because I'm okay. I'm in the hands of a loving God who will take care of me in eternity. I don't need that illusion of control. And you know what? I'm not a child of God because I'm awesome. I'm not a child of God because I'm a plankless wonder because it's also perfect in my life. I'm a child of God because of the grace of God, because God saw the plank in my life. Because God saw in me what was messed up and broken and called me his child anyway. Right? We, we, don't, we hide that stuff 
there's stuff that's broken. There's rebellion against God. There's dishonesty. There's stuff that you don't want to admit to other people. And you try to hide it from them. And sometimes you hide it from yourself. You never hid it from God. He knows all about it. And he loves you anyway. He has seen all the way down into the darkest stuff that you don't like talking about. And then he said, I call you beloved anyway. I am a child of God in whom Christ dwells, and I live in the unshakable kingdom of God. And when we know that, then we can look at somebody else and see the speck in their eye and see the brokenness in their life. And we don't have to respond with distance. We don't have to go, oh, there's bad stuff in your life. Instead, what naturally happens when that heart change happens in us is we go, oh, I know what that feels like. Oh, I have been there. I'm still struggling with that myself. And instead of creating distance, we draw near. Instead of breaking relationship, we create love in our relationships with one another. And we respond, we create relational solidarity with other people. And instead of judging, we respond with love and compassion. It's a change in, change in our hearts. It's a change in how we understand ourselves that creates a change in what happens on the outside. Now, I could ask you which one of those paths you want to be on, but I think I already know. We'd all much rather live on that second path. That's the kind of people we want to be. I could ask you, how do you want other people to treat you? I already know the answer. You want people to respond with love and compassion. Because this takes a heart change, let me ask you the foundational question about those two paths. Which one of those paths has Jesus taken with you? Which one of those paths has Jesus taken with you? It's the second one, right? When we meet God in Jesus, we get to know the heart of our Heavenly Father for us. And we find out that it is the very heart of God. It is the character of Almighty God to look at what's broken in my life, to look at what's broken and messed up and sinful and hurtful in your life, and not to respond with shock and awe, not to recoil in horror, oh my goodness, this is a sinner, I can't be in relationship with them. It is the heart of God to see what's broken in you and close the gap and move close. Not to respond with judgment, but to fill that space, to cross that space with grace. To cross that space with grace. To meet you where you are and invite you into relationship with God. Jesus comes and finds you where you are and invites you to know the loving heart of God for you. And I would like, you, I would like to invite you to know that today. If that's something you've never known about the heart of God for you, if that's something that you hear from time to time and you figure that it might be true for somebody else, but your own experience of that is slipping because you're so aware of your own brokenness and that becomes the reality for your life. Listen, the truth about us is that we are sinners. We are speck people. We are plank people. That's the truth about us, but it is not the ultimate truth about us. The ultimate, truest truth about you is that you are a beloved child of God. And I invite you to know that about yourself today. In fact, I think sometimes we're only free to actually know the speck and plank reality once we know the grace of God is what it is. Then, we're, then we have the courage to see what's really broken in us. And I want to invite you to know that for yourself today and to know that Jesus invites you to know the loving heart of God for you into relationship with God, your Heavenly Father, and into life in the community of God's people. And then when you know that Jesus invites you, now come follow me. 
right? This, this is the reality. The kingdom of God is at hand. I invite you in, and you are free to turn, to repent, and turn away from where you used to be going, and come live this way also. And now you don't have to settle for the cheap high of judging somebody else anymore. You don't have to look for security and feeling good about yourself by putting somebody else beneath you. It's not about that anymore. Now you are free to live in the truth, to live with the freedom and peace that comes from knowing who you are in God's eyes. And I want to invite you to take this truth home with you today. And there's no formulas that makes this work. There are not formulas that govern the human heart and human relationships. But I have a few suggestions that I think could maybe help with the practice of this in our lives. Do, so let me ask you this question. You don't have to raise your hand. But has, has anybody done it? Do you, have you judged anybody else? Do you do that? Are there any relationships that you're in right now where you are tempted to be judgmental of other people? They're just not nearly as holy or close to God as you are. They make more mistakes than you do. When you find yourself feeling that way, here's the first thing I think that you can do, is pray God's grace for you. Pray God's grace for your own life. You, this puts you in touch with your own brokenness. You recognize I'm not perfect either. None of us are. And you can trust that God is gracious for you and that your identity is rooted in God's love for you. And as you pray God's grace for you, then also pray God's blessing for them. Now, I don't mean, don't start with what's wrong in their life. God, I wish you would reveal to them how deeply sinful and terrible they really are, right? Not, not that. Pray God's blessing and favor on their life. Pray for their career, pray for their relationships, their marriage or kids that they've got that. Just pray that things go well in their life, that God's favor and blessing would be on them. This makes you their teammate, right? This, is, this invests you in good outcomes in their life. You learn to care about them when you pray for God's blessing for them. And then pray for compassion and solidarity with them, right? And as God does a work in your heart, as you pray God's grace for you and God's blessing for them, and pray that God would draw your heart, as you would recognize you're in the same boat with them, it might be that God will work in your heart in such a way that you might even become an instrument or a tool of God in their lives. Maybe to come alongside them. Maybe you can talk about the speck that's in their eye once you're pretty aware of the plank that's in your eye and they have every permission to talk to you about that. It may be that God is gonna open up a, a relationship or a conversation there. Let me ask this question one other way because I think we experience this in a different way sometimes. Are you ever an avoider? You know, like, is there, do you ever see something, a speck in someone's eye or a clog in your relationship with somebody that has to do with both of you? And you see that and you go, what speck? I never saw a speck. There's no speck. I don't want to talk about that. Because <laughs> it'd be so uncomfortable. It'd be so hard to have to talk about that. And you don't want to. But it might be that God wants to use you or that other person to be a tool in one another's lives. So I don't want to make this any more complicated. Let's make this simple. Can we put that slide back up? I think you should do exactly the same thing. Pray God's grace for you. Pray for God's grace for your sin, that you, have a, you are renewed in your grace-based identity. Pray for God's blessing for them, for good things in their life. Pray for solidarity and compassion. And it just might be that God wants to use you in that person's life to help them heal from the speck that they're trying to get out of their eye. Or to, for that person to be used by God in your life to help you see more clearly also. You know, I... I would love to be a part of a community that lived like that. I would love to be that kind of person. I would love to have relationships that function that way. And I'll tell you, I believe the world needs a community that has learned to live like this. 
Because in my experience, the world is full of people who know how to judge one another. No one really needs to be taught that. There is plenty of judgment in our world. Most of us have experienced it. Most of us have joined in. The world is full of people who know how to avoid one another, not care about one another, let other people just wallow in their own pain. We don't really need to be taught that. But Jesus is creating for himself. Jesus is creating for the sake of the world a community of people who know how to receive and share grace with one another, who know how to live in authentic relationships that are full of truth and love and mercy. And that's the kind of people I want to be. And I pray that God will do that in our hearts, that he'll do that in our relationships, that he will create us, this church family and other Christian churches all around the world, to be people who live as a testimony to the grace of God in our lives, that we would become famous not for judgment, but for mercy, for love and compassion for one another. And I want to just lead us right now in a prayer that God will do that among us. Father in heaven, we give you thanks that you deal with us in truth and grace, that, that you know all about the specks and the planks in our eyes, and you did not run away from us, but you drew near to us in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you would fill our hearts with the confidence of that, that you would, that you would teach us who we are, that we would know that we are your children because of your grace. And I pray that you would, by the power of your spirit, grow the fruit of love and compassion and mercy among us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.